Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show which talks to Christian leaders about the topics that really matter. I'm Andy Peck. You may well have noticed that God doesn't stand still. Just as you are reflecting upon what he's doing, you find him leading another initiative. Many believe that the filling station network is one such move. To discuss what filling stations are, how they came about, and what leaders can learn from this, I'm joined by Richard Fothergill, the overall director of the filling station network. His brief is to grow the number and effectiveness of all of the filling station meetings now appearing in Britain and abroad. A new filling station is opening every two to three weeks. So welcome, Richard. Hello there. Nice to be here. Uh, now, listeners will be denying to know what a filling station is, so you'll have to tell us that for us before we sure. go into your background a little Nothing bit. Nothing to do with low-cost derv. Indeed. Okay, that much. Um, yes, they are rural meetings, uh, mm-hmm. celebration meetings once a month mm-hmm. held in rural communities in uh, neutral venues, so things like uh, village halls and cafes and so mm-hmm. on, pubs sometimes. And it's where Christians, or, or those who possibly aren't, get together and have a celebration. And there's teaching, and there's worship, and testimonies, and food, and prayer. And it's fascinating how so many people seem to enjoy them. And as you say, they're sort of popping up all over the place. And yeah. um, so t- time of the week, typically, is there a... Yeah, there are evening venues, evening mm-hmm. meetings. They mm-hmm. uh, usually between about 7.30 and about 9.30. Mm-hmm. A midweek evening is best. We don't do Sundays. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, there's usually about 10 in the year, so the, most meetings don't meet in August and they don't meet at Christmas time. But uh, So 10 of these filling stations would take place across yeah. the year, that's the norm. Yeah. And how did they come about? What was the initiative? Well, it started uh, about 2006 with mm. a group who just got converted through an alpha course, about mm. 12 or 13 Christians, new mm. Christians, in West Wiltshire. And they uh, came back to their villages and they said, we so loved alpha. Uh, we ought to do do some more of that. What did we do on Alpha? Well, we had some food, we had some worship, mm. we had some teaching, we had we shared stories of God answering prayers and things, and had some of that prayer ministry thing, whatever that was. Anyway, so they decided to meet once a month and do exactly that, and um, it grew. Even though they were pretty new to the faith, uh, they were helped along admittedly quite early on by a lovely Methodist, elderly Methodist couple who sort of gave mm. them some steerage, and it uh, it started to grow from there. And uh, I met them after they'd been going about two years or so. And they were getting about 35, 40 people regularly attending this once a month Mm. event. And it it grew from that. People started to come. The numbers went up. Uh, God started to do things. We started Mm. to see new people coming to faith. We started to see people being healed. And uh, it was clear the Spirit of God was involved in the whole thing. And then we started finding groups who'd gone to this original meeting in a little village in Box in Wiltshire. They then went home and they started to copy it. They thought, well, that's pretty easy. We could do that. Why don't we do it in our villages back here? So they started to reproduce it. And then by the end of 2009, I think we had six meetings in operation. And uh, we felt the Lord saying really it was appropriate to try and um, pass on what we've been learning. So we got a little kind of uh, trusteeship together. And not to be a controlling event, but really just to try and pass on the things that we'd seen which worked and what the Lord seemed to be blessing and how to make it successful, really. So um, that's where really the sort of modern version of the Fling Station started, really, in 2009. So, so the Al- I mean, Alpha clearly um, at some point you know, got some traction as well, yep. and they put together DVDs and, and had a kind of a we'll franchise it out but you can do it this way is there a degree of that in yeah, how you do yes it's definitely we've got us mm. we understand now if you like we've got a bit of a model of mm. what works and we want mm. to offer that to any mm. group out in the particularly the rural parts of the country that are feeling spiritually a bit dried up 
uh, to copy and have a go at. And uh, there are sort of key key points to it, which mm. I've just touched on, mm. of, of it being uh, midweek evening. It's it's not a church. It's not a new church. We're mm. not setting up a new gathered congregation that are going to do the sacraments and have home groups mm. and have paid pastors and meet every week and that sort of thing. Uh, but we're actually a stepping stone into uh, a much healthier relationship with the Lord. Mm, excellent. And, and your journey to be part of this, you mentioned you... you, you came across this you live in the bath area so that's right west yes. wiltshire is not too far away that's right back in 2006 i was actually just working with a, a new anglican church in mm. bristol called crossnet and a friend of mine called nick and i were uh, helping with that and uh, another mutual friend of ours who'd been involved with this group over in wiltshire and uh, said hey richard you ought to go and talk to these guys they'd love to have a chat with you mm. and i uh, went and had lunch with them and this the little sort of steerage team on this first meeting and uh, I remember them saying, we've heard you're doing a funny church over there in Bristol. Could you help <laughs> us do what we're doing? Because we don't quite know what this is. <laughs> and uh, that's how it started for me, was the link up between uh, what mm. I was doing in Bristol and, and there. And uh, as I say, subsequently, it's just grown, really. And, and your own journey when you came to faith and, and come yeah, to your background? Yeah, I, I became Christian sometime between my when I was 17 and 21. I don't exactly know when. Mm. I wasn't brought up in a particularly Christian household. Mm. Maybe we go to church on Christmas Day or something, but uh, no sort of real active faith. And it was really through school. I went to a school called Monks and Coombe School oh. in Somerset, mm. and I heard the gospel there. Most particularly, I had two friends at school who I really respected who were keen Christians. Mm. And so we used to t- talk theology late into the night when I was a sixth former. And at some point, as I say, by the time I was 21, I know for sure that mm. Jesus was who he said he is, mm. and my saviour and so on. So that was my, that's how I came to, to faith. And um, then I went and worked in London. For, I went to university, and then I worked in London for a number of years in advertising and PR in the West yeah. End here. And uh, then I went off into the Church of England in 91. All right. So you were ordained and, and became a vicar? Or? I did, yes. I did 16 years uh, mm. taking the Church of England shilling. And I mm. uh, did my training in Bristol. I did my curacy in Twickenham, in mm. St. Stephen's Twickenham. Yeah. Excellent church. Mm. And then I went to Africa. I had seven years leading a Anglican church down there, a new church plant. Mm. And then we came back and did two years with this church in Bristol, which I mentioned a moment ago. And is, is are you kind of still officially part of the Anglican network now, or is that? Yeah, a... I'm still licensed to the Bishop yes. of Bath and Wells. Okay, that, I saw him just the other week for breakfast, <laughs> and uh, so and he's he knows all about the Fling Station stuff, mm. and uh, as a new sort of expression of faith, he, mm. he encourages it, which is great. So yes, I've still got my foot in the Church of England's door. Wonderful. So, to, to what extent are you kind of taking initiative in establishing Fling Stations, and to what extent are you kind of responding to mm. to what's going on? Well, we, we don't push it and market it in any way. Mm. I think the only advertising we've ever done has been in the new wine program at the summer conferences mm. they do. Uh, so it's all happened. You know, It's grown from one meeting to 58 now. It's all happened by mm. word of mouth, by people bumping into the website and seeing there's a short film we have on there mm. and thinking something, something inside them goes, yeah, that's what we need here in Devon or mm. Cornwall or Scotland or wherever it is. Mm. And uh, so we do no formal promotion. We felt quite early on that the Lord didn't want us to do that, mm. actually, that it's not a clever marketing scheme. Uh, if it's got legs, then it'll work mm. you know, it'll grow. And the Holy Spirit has been definitely blowing through it. And I get approaches mm. now every three or four days of people sort of mm. saying, would this work over in you know, South Norfolk? Would it work in Wales, etc." cetera? Mm. And, and obviously there's a, a kind of theology. You mentioned the New Wine Network, a theology yep. behind it. So yes. um, classically, of course, rural rural churches are 
if they're Anglican churches, they tend to be more traditional. Mm-hmm. It just tends to be the case. Um, I mean, there's some great exceptions, but that's the yes. case. And uh, and they, they tend to be declining in rural areas, yeah. although there's, again, a few, a few exceptions to that. Yes. So um, uh, to what extent are people a little bit... Al- surprised what they find when they come to the Philly stations. Yeah, yeah, quite a lot of surprise. <laughs> You're right, that's a good way of describing it. Um, well, one of the reasons I can see why this works and has a mm. resonance in rural parts of the country is because of the resources in the church. Mm. You know, the, uh, And I live in a village myself in Somerset, mm. but the, the Christian church is, uh, there's, there's less of us on the ground. Mm. Uh, the resources are more thinly spread. Mm. Often you find... Uh, Christians and church leaders uh, often feel a bit isolated and they may be quite discouraged in their faith. They'll be doing a great job, mm. but actually they feel isolated. And so when a group gets together in a filling station, and the average attendance, by the way, is about 50 to 60 people mm. in a filling station. So a group of 50 you get together and you are overtly worshipping God in contemporary fashion mm. and hearing testimonies and having some good teaching mm. and then having some prayer ministry where the Holy Spirit comes and actually does things. That really raises everybody's confidence and faith. And uh, we, we attract a lot of what we describe as de-church people who mm. may not be involved with a Sunday congregation of any description, mm. but have a bit of faith in here. And uh, they come along to a filling station and think, hey, this is great. This is, that's what church probably ought to look like, or at least worshipping God mm. ought to look like. And so they get, get involved with it. Um, we find increasingly that church leaders in rural parts actually like it. And they're, so they're approaching us now and sort of saying, could you ever think about doing one in this little group of villages or this, this mm. area? And uh, so obviously we want to try and help and support that. That's the other thing, as I said earlier, we're not a new denomination. Mm. We're not trying to reproduce what the Anglican Church or the Methodist Church or whatever is doing in the country. Mm. We want to support their efforts. And in the process, we're draw- drawing in a lot of people who at the moment aren't on their radar. And so they, they get, a if you like, a more alive, excited relationship with the Lord going on. And then they want to find out who the other Christians in the area are. Then they want to go to a church Sunday service or they may want to join a home group or whatever. Mm. So we always try, when we're setting up new meetings, we always try and link in with the local uh, live churches and say to them, hey, look, we, this is a resource for you. We want to help. Mm. We're not going to try and distract people. We want them to be uh, having a relationship with you in due course. And then and presumably pastorally, therefore, that there are there are leaders within those churches who are aware of what's going on yeah. and can uh, and can connect people appropriately. Or if if they are surprised and a bit alarmed by what's going on, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, they can talk that through. Absolutely right. And and the surprise and alarm factor, <laughs> I'm there to try and reassure them. Yeah. And you know, having been a, a parish priest myself, I, mm. I know the kind of pressures a lot of these rural guys are under. Yeah. And uh, but you're quite right. And we've seen we have some great stories. You know, I know I was talking to one Baptist pastor just uh, last year. And he said he'd now got three new families who have come and joined his small Baptist chapel mm. as a direct result of the filling station. It's like they came to the filling station first. It happens in actually two villages over from him. But the reverse people from his congregation used to go to it or still go mm. to it. And they, they, so they met each other. They liked each other. And these more mature Christians invited these three families to come mm. and join them. And now they're fully integrated into their church locally. And, and I'm guessing perhaps it may be a little easier to invite if you have a friend who's not a believer or not a church attender, yeah. this will be a one-off event, which may be t- kind of easier to invite someone to than the local church, which may be a bit more insular. I don't know. No, you're quite right. Also, mm. there's, a, there's a sort of commitment level. Mm. A lot of these de-churched and certainly mm. unconverted people, mm. it, once a month is quite enough, thanks. You yeah. know, the idea of doing something regularly every week on a Sunday, that may mm. not be in their psyche yet. Yes. You know, and they think, well, that's a bit intense, isn't it? But uh, coming on, as you say, to a, once, a one-off filling station. That's the other thing. By the nature of these things, people dip in and dip out. 
Mm. So people come one month and they don't come for three more, then they dip in again. But you ask them and say, oh, yeah, I go to the police station, you know. Uh, we've seen also about 110 uh, people become Christians directly wow. through this that we know of. Mm. In fact, I just heard last week of um, from two meetings, one in Suffolk and one in Cornwall, of four people that had uh, prayed a prayer commitment, which is great. Mm. And uh, so we've seen a sort of steady trickle of new births, new spiritual mm. births of people becoming Christians, which is fantastic. And obviously they need to be disciples. So again, that's why it's so vital we have a working relationship mm. with the local churches and we could send those new new Christians mm. to somewhere where they can get more than just a once a month input. Yeah. Well, you're listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Richard Fothergill. Richard is the overall director of the Filling Station Network. We'll be back just after this. Welcome back to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Richard Fothergill. Richard is the overall director of the Filling Station Network. He, he was explaining before the break of uh, how God had kind of breathed on this starting around 2006 and uh, uh, a number of folk coming to faith and a number of rural areas starting off these uh, filling stations. Remind me of the, the total number across the country these days? Uh, we've got uh, 58 in operation 58. at the moment. Mm. Well, that's actually not just Britain. That's all over because we've got some in mm. France, uh, one in Switzerland, one in South Africa, and even one in Canada, can you believe? Yeah. You, you spoke, obviously, very about the positive uh, side. Uh, have there been any... Uh, any awkwardness? Any churches that have been anti what you're doing? Yeah, um, mercifully quite few, uh, <laughs> but sometimes they get the wrong on the stick. And uh, if a filling station group uh, sets up in the, a local area, sometimes some of the church leaders uh, felt a bit threatened or yeah. thought, what's this? Is this the vineyard coming <laughs> to make a home here or something? <laughs> and uh, usually it's, it's ignorance. Mm. Usually they don't understand mm. what it's all about. But as I say, we've now, having been doing it five years, we now really, really try mm to square away in the best possible way mm. the local church leadership and and sort of explain how it would affect things mm. for the better. And actually, it's all bringing life and faith and encouragement. Mm. It's, it's not in any way a distraction or in any way uh, undermining anything they're mm. doing. Uh, far from it. Our experience tells us that actually people who come to filling stations then go mm. back to their Sunday churches mm. and are actually even more full of confidence in God and mm. desires to serve and so on. Um, so, yeah, we've had a few 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 bumps along the way. I, I remember uh, one archdeacon getting very upset about the whole thing and saying we were planting illegal churches, which he knew <laughs> nothing about. Uh, but as I say, we've been able to uh, talk to these guys and explain yeah. it. And, and then usually they, they come around and get, get it. In fact, I've actually now had, I've got a string of bishops, Anglican bishops, who seem to think it's a good idea. And in fact, today I'm going to see one even today to have a chat about that. So. Excellent. Well, that sounds, sounds very exciting. Um, you've kind of hinted along the way of, of how you might start one. So if someone's listening in a rural area, they yeah. think, well, this 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 could be could be great. What would be the first step they should take? Well, just get in contact with mm. us. Look at our website. There's mm. lots of details there. Drop me an email. Mm -hmm. uh, have a look at the film on there because that'll explain. There's lots of, uh, the film is seven minutes long, and we've got interviews, head and shoulder interviews with a whole group of people who come mm. to Finney Stations. And I ask them all the same question. I say, why do you come to this? What do mm. you get out of it? And so you can see there mm. some of the reaction to that. Mm. But, yes, get in touch with me, uh, Richard Fothergill. My uh, email's address is on there, but mm. I'll give it to you here if you like. It's just Richard at then all one word, thefillingstation.org.uk. And I would love to just get into conversation with you about it, and we'll see how we go. We have a starter pack of information, which is really things we've learned along mm. the way, and some, some basic guidelines of how to launch mm. this. Mm. The key thing is really getting a group together in your villages, probably about eight is about the minimum number, who share the vision, who could see mm. that this would bring some new life mm. and encouragement and do some evangelism locally. 
And it's not rocket science in one sense. There's really, if you look at the practice of it, it's actually mm. pretty straightforward. Um, and it's the same gospel that mm. we've always had, of course, but it's actually presented in a way mm. which for rural constituencies seems to work. And um, so have a look at that and uh, have a look at the website. I'll send you the starter pack mm. and let's get a conversation going and let's pray and then see what happens. OK. Um, in, we, we talked earlier that um, the, the very start of this came out of a group from Alpha. Yep. And obviously Alpha, um, there's a degree of uh, um, union, kind of um, Alpha has a particular approach to teaching. Mm-hmm. You talked about the, the evenings, including teaching. Yes. To what degree are you programming what happens in that teaching and to what degree is it free to the person sure well every meeting every filling station is Mm. actually an autonomous independent meeting it Mm. does its own thing it uses the name and Mm. we give as much encouragement and guidance Mm. as we can Mm. and most particularly is to help people stop stop them from falling into potholes and uh, we for example we have a now a teacher two-year teaching program of Mm. 20 talks okay they meet 10 times a year and uh the idea being if, if a filling station picks up on this teaching program mm. and they ask their speakers to, to come in and speak on those different topics, over those two years they should get a fairly decent and balanced Christian mm. diet. Because mm. we did notice after a while one or two of the meetings were only ever playing on one note, really. They were, mm. were te- their teachers. There was one meeting, I remember looking at their program, and eight out of the ten talks were all pretty much on the same thing. And, uh, and, yeah, and they're very good in that area, as you can imagine. But mm. that's not the whole Christian life. Mm. You've got to get a balance. So you need to talk about the church, other religions, evangelism, et cetera, et cetera, and get a, a balanced input biblically. So that we try and facilitate like that. We give this to mm. them. Again, it's not compulsory. Every filling station can really decide what it wants to do. Um, if they, if they, essentially, if the meetings become, uh, they sort of go com- completely off script. Mm. And uh, really start to do things, particularly like meeting once a week. Nobody's ever done this, I might say. But if they did wanted to do that, mm. we would probably have to say to them, "Hey, look, you're looking a bit like a community church, which is not a bad thing, but mm. that's not a filling station. This is a meeting. We're not a gathered church community. Things like yeah, that." Yeah, sure. Um, I, I wonder if you you learned along the way about God and uh, <laughs> and about uh, you know perhaps what you confirmed, what you knew about God, or anything fresh, perhaps. Uh, a couple of things. Firstly. Uh, taking risks is a really good idea. Uh, <laughs> honestly, trust God. Take a risk and try something new. And uh, you know that—that's uh, t- teaching of Jesus and Peter. Mm. You know, Peter getting out of the boat and walking on the water. Mm. You know, very risky, very miraculous, extraordinary stuff. Mm. But actually, there's a principle in there which I, I think it's really mm. worth every Christian testing. And mm. wherever we're at at the minute in our faith, the Lord will ask, will stretch us just a little bit above that. Mm. You know, so the risk will always look. Which the way we see it, it'll always look a bit scary. And that'd be one thing. Another thing I've noticed is that um, the Lord is so gracious. He's so kind. Mm. He's so kind. And he's not forgotten rural communities. Mm. And uh, I know from talking to Christians out in the in villages, often they feel like, well, the church is strong in the city. They go to Bristol, there's lots mm. of great stuff going on, or London or wherever. You know, but out here, well, I'm not sure that'll work out here. Mm. But my observation is that's nonsense, is that the Spirit of God He's with you. He can do things in your village. He loves you. And he actually wants you to live a full full life as a Christian and bring your friends to faith, you know. And um, so he, he come up, he seems to have come up with, this is just one of many models, one of many ways of doing this. But there does seem to be a, a kind of freedom and a, uh, a joy behind this, right. which I've seen the Lord at work because he, he loves people. He loves the, the rural population. There, there is a stereotype, of course, about rural areas and, and witchcraft and, and, and uh-huh. that kind of, and, and indeed 
this has been borne out by people who, who believe there are pockets of witchcraft in rural areas. Um, uh, that your your obviously messages don't don't allow that kind of stereotype to to flood your mind when you're starting to think about this kind of stuff. Yeah, well, it's always the evil one's always been there. You know? <laughs> so don't let that put you mm. off. Remember who's in charge here. Yeah. Um, so yes, we've obviously there's a spiritual warfare element behind every filling mm. station starting up. Mm. actually, and uh, the things that come against it to try and stop mm. it may, co- may come from the occult side, yeah. but they just as commonly come from other directions. Indeed. So um, don't, don't let that put you off either. Uh, prayer is crucial. We have one thing I haven't mentioned. We do have a, a growing prayer network behind it, everything to do with the filling station. We've got about 140 people mm. that I keep regularly informed who pray about the filling station. I know they do because they feed back to us what mm. they feel the Lord's telling them once they get on their mm. knees. And um, we call across the year, for example, we call at least four days of praying and fasting across the network and all the me- mm. meetings are, and, as well are enjo- uh, sort of drawn into that. And I've noticed every single time we've done one of those, we just did one in February, every single time, the next two or three weeks after that, there's a sort of an, an upturn mm. in spiritual activity. And that may mean new meetings being born, um, new people coming to faith. I mean, the fact that Forbes came to faith mm. last week, I reckon, is linked to this prayer. Mm. Uh, more supernatural te- uh, events taking place, more revelation, more healings mm. and so on. Um, also, sometimes a bit of extra criticism. You know, it's more flack. We get mm. more flack. So it's like the, the battle hots up yes, a little bit. Yes. But, you know, we're going to win this. We're going to win the rural countryside back to the mm. Lord mm. On, on prayer, on, on our knees. That's where mm. it starts, really. And the station is, in a sense, is just the sort of the, which is the top of the iceberg of what you see hmm. in the form of these celebration meetings. We've just got a few minutes left, uh, Richard, just to, to ask you about your own um, the influences in terms of either people or books or, um, you know, that, that helped you in your leadership. You've been involved as a vicar and now as a overseeing Felixation. Well, OK, yeah, quite a lot of stuff, I suppose. I mean, I was at Holy Trinity Brompton for oh, seven okay. years. And uh, so Sandy Miller, the minister yes, there, indeed. he's obviously retired now, was a big influence. And mm. then my first boss, actually, when I was a curate, was a, a wonderful mm. guy called Martin Peppiot. He's retired as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I learned a lot from both of those gents. And uh, I on worship, I think I learned a lot from, from Wimber and the whole vineyard mm-hmm. movement because worship is so crucial. That's really yeah. what we're designed to do. And a lot of these filling station nights, it's in the worship when we're actually expressing the truth about Jesus mm. publicly and saying this is who he is, This we love him. Mm. It's in that encounter, that, that moment often when the Holy Spirit starts to do stuff and people get convicted or they get healed or whatever goes on. So so that will be a key element of it. Worship is crucial. Yeah, excellent. Well, um, as I say, we're coming to the end. Um, a reminder first of the uh, the website. Is the filling is it www.thefillingstation.org.uk? Correct. And uh, if you want to get in touch with Richard himself, that's Richard at thefillingstation.org.uk so if you've been searching for a pen uh, now, now scribble it down and you can get in contact with Richard you can f- find uh, more material um, that he would send to you and if this is something that's on your heart to to consider and to pray about um, for the area that you're based in so Richard right. thank you so much for, for all you've shared and for the excitement of, of what God is doing pleasure thank you for having me so you've been listening to the leadership file with me andy peck i was joined this week by richard fothergill uh, richard is the overall director of the filling station network uh, his brief is to grow the number and effectiveness of all the filling station meetings now appearing in britain and abroad um, so a new filling station is opening every two to three weeks it may be that as you're listening uh, that could be in your area so um do um log on to the website the filling station 
www.premierzone.org.uk and find out more. Uh, do log on to Premier Zone website, www.premier.org.uk and you can listen to archive versions of Allegiant File by going to the On Demand section. Um, I will put a link to the um, the website uh, when this um, recording um, is, is available on demand, which will be shortly after this broadcast. Uh, so if you need to connect to the website, then you can do so in that in that way. Uh, so look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk. 